everyone. Welcome back to Midweek at the Compass. My name's Jake, one of the pastors here, and we are in the midst of our sermon series called Angels, Real or Imagined? You know, over the first couple of weeks, we've heard Jeff talk about things like guardian angels and fallen angels, and he's done some research to ultimately pull how we can get a better biblical perspective on angels and the role they play in our everyday lives. And because that's the topic, I'm really excited to be able to sit down and introduce you to a man who knows more about angels than I ever could hope or imagine. His name is Fred Dickison. Fred, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So I would love to just have you take a moment, introduce yourself, let people know who you are. Well... My name is Charles Frederick Dickinson, Jr. When I graduated from Iowa State, that ran over to the next page. (laughs) Uh, My dad was called C. Fred also. And next door, we had uh, Fred Schultz, Sr. and Fred Schultz, Jr. So when you stood out front and called Fred, you had an army. (laughs) Lots of people joining in. (laughs) Yeah, well, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. I went to, Iowa, to uh, Iowa State College, got a degree in electrical engineering there. And uh, then I went into the Navy and studied uh, electronics there. I was supposed to take care of electronics on board uh, aircraft in, uh, that would be on carriers. Yeah. So uh, I profited a great deal by that. Then I went to college. And um, after that, I was working in electronics in... Uh, Long Island, New York, and I uh, worked there for about a year and a half. During that time, I came to know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Amen. I had believed so much about the Savior that he was genuinely God, genuinely man. He lived a sinless life, did miracles, died and rose again, and he was coming back again. In fact, in my bedroom, the folks had a picture of Christ ascending, and uh, he was... Um, real to me in that sense. I knew him factually, but I didn't know him individually. Hmm. I didn't understand substitution. Yeah. So at 23 years old, I came to know the Lord through the preaching of a man who'd been to Moody Bible Institute. And uh, I really enjoyed that. And the Lord laid on my heart to know the Word of God. Uh, I wanted to know God's will for my life. I wanted to know God's Word. Hmm. And uh, the pastor had been to Moody, and nobody pressured me, but I felt maybe Moody's a good place for me to go to learn the Bible. I spent four years there, and I really enjoyed that. And uh, after uh, four years, I went to Dallas Seminary. Okay. And there I took up my master's degree in in, uh, theology and my uh, doctorate degree in New Testament literature and exegesis. So that uh, came in very handy when I started teaching at Moody in 1961. And I retired in uh, 1995 and uh, went part-time for seven more years. Took my wife in with me for five of those years. Okay. And uh, I taught my electives, Angelology and the Book of Hebrews. Okay. So that's a little bit of my background. Then um, in 1966, the so-called Age of Aquarius came upon us. That's a new age concept for man coming to his height or his uh, uh, ability to uh, function, to be healed. And the people started calling in to Moody. Who should they call in for? But somebody who knew about angels. Well, I was teaching angelology, and I was uh, 
just soon to be chairman of the department in 1969. And uh, so I had to answer the questions. I had to do a lot of work, research, and then people started calling in with demonic problems. Hmm. And so I had to look at that area too. In 1975, uh, Moody asked me to uh, write a book on angels. This one right here is in 1995. And that one's I, called I, Angels, Elect, and Evil? That's right. Okay. And so halfway down the book, we treat uh, evil angels. I had to do a lot of research on that because I had been teaching angels, you know, and knew about that and written a little book on that. But um, um, we got into counseling in that area because people were calling in, asking questions. I had to do some research and talk to some of the pastors that I could be able to help people along that line. So I've been doing that for about 52 years. Oh, my goodness. So I would love to backtrack slightly, if you don't mind. So... <clears throat> You ended up going to Moody Dallas Theological Seminary. You ended up getting a job at Moody Bible Institute. Yes. Um, and then at that point, I want to ask, did you know that you wanted to teach a course on angels? Was that something that you had done through your previous studies to where you felt some sort of area of expertise in it? Or did you feel like you more fell into it? Well, it was not an area of expertise when I entered it. <laughs> but but uh, while at Moody, I had an assignment from uh, my theology man, to uh, a teacher, to, uh, to read Unger's book, Biblical Demonology. And uh, that intrigued me. Then at Dallas, I had the course on angelology from C.C. Ryrie. And uh, that sort of piqued my interest. Hmm. There's a real world out there that I've got to know about. So I looked into it, and I started teaching it at Moody. They asked me to do that. Yeah. And with the writing of the book and the teaching, I became more interested. And with the calls in, uh, I had to do more research. Okay. So I'm wondering, could we start the conversation with angels, maybe at the basics? Sure. What are angels? Angels are spirit beings created by God. Most likely, they were all created at about the same time, according to Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 16. Uh, the aorist tense means it's done. They were created, and uh, the reason we say angels were created at that time is because it says Christ created all things visible, that's material, mm -hmm. and invisible, that'd be the spirit world. Then he goes on to declare what those spirit world things are, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, and spirits. So they have ranks, and he created all of them. They're all individual creations from God. They're not a race okay. like we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then what are some of the basic roles and functions? I know Jeff is talking a little bit through yeah. the series of some of those, um, and we've gotten to uh, guardian angels and fallen angels, but just generally speaking, what are some of the other roles and functions that we see angels play throughout Scripture? Well, the primary function of angels is to worship and serve God. The word angel, whether it's malik in Hebrew or angelos in Greek, both mean messenger. So they serve God in that fashion. There are certain spirit beings which we probably could not call messengers, like the four living creatures that surround the throne of God. We read about that in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. They don't go anywhere. They seem to be at the throne, so they're not messengers. Yeah. But they do 
uh, ask other angels to do certain things. Maybe they're messengers in that sense. So uh, angels serve God. One of their names is Leitergus, which means a priestly service to God. They okay. praise God. We read in the book of Revelation that they praise God day and night. Very intelligent creatures know what they're doing, and they praise him day and night. Good examples for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, those are the angels that tend to get celebrated and focused on throughout our Christian culture today at a minimum. We don't like to talk about the other half of things like fallen angels. Um, where do we right. see that play out in Scripture? Well, we start with Genesis chapter 3, where we have uh, the snake. It's really Satan. He wasn't called Satan at that time. Um, originally, he was called Lucifer because he was a light giver. Hmm. And uh, Hillel is the Creek is the uh, Hebrew name, but uh, he uh, he started this whole thing off because he was enamored with his beauty, the way God had created him, and uh, self-centered. He wanted to be like God. I will be like El Elyon. He says that we have it recorded in Isaiah chapter fourteen. El Elyon means the Most High. He wanted to be in control. He wanted to get to glory. He thought he should have more than God gave him. That's rebellion. Hmm. Other angels went along with him. He sold his bill of rebellious goods. We read about that in, a, in Ezekiel chapter 28, where it says uh, the wickedness of his merchandising. Well, what was he merchandising? He was selling his rebellious bill of goods uh, to other angels. And we read in Revelation chapter 12 that probably a third of the angels fell with him. Okay. So we've got the two different sides, factions of angels, m multiple roles that we've already kind of talked about, at least in some regard here. I'm wondering if you could, from your experience in history, what are some very common misconceptions that we have about angelic beings? Wh what are things that people maybe believe, but you would look to and be like, there's just no evidence for it? Yeah, well, I think of a couple of them. Uh, first of all, the angels have some sort of body. And, uh, you know, some of the ancients uh, uh, debated uh, how many angels could dance on a pinhead. And that's sort of ridiculous because they have no body. <laughs> they sing that song, I ain't got no body. And nobody, they can't sing, and nobody cares for me because God cares for them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, um, they uh, are spirit beings. I like to think of them as personal points in space. They move from here and there. And uh, they are located. They're not eternal spirits. They're created. They're not omniscient, omnipresent. They're located. Interesting. And, and uh, they move from here to there. And uh, we read about that in, in Daniel chapter 10, where one of the angels came, I believe it was Michael, to help Gabriel, who was delivering a message from God to Daniel. And Daniel uh, knew that uh, this angel that was speaking to him was wrestling with the prince of Persia and was soon to wrestle with the prince of Greece, which means there's an angel in charge of those particular nations, an <laughs> evil angel. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so no bodies, not eternal. What are some other things that... They don't have wings. Really? Well, they don't, they don't have to a plane or flap. Okay. Because that's for material things. They don't have to use the air to go. They don't have to use LL or 
United Airlines either. <laughs> <laughs> they, they move quite quickly. Um, so they are speedy, and uh, they're on fire for God. Yeah. Um, God calls them fires and, and winds. Let's speak about how quickly they move and how fervently they move to serve God. By the way, other other, other functions are they they are, are called watchers, which means they govern uh, and watch over the nations of the world. They also uh, protect God's people. They uh, deliver God's people from from evil. For instance, in Hezekiah's day, when the um, Assyrians were encamped against him, they went out and slew 185,000 Assyrians overnight. And uh, in the book of Revelation, they are the administrators of judgment for God. We read about that in uh, chapter 6 through 19. Hmm. So as we're sitting here talking about angels, I want to ask a question about not our knowledge of them, but what can we learn about God through studying angels? What are some things or attributes of God that we see at play because we know there's a spirit realm with right. spirit beings that we aren't necessarily privy to on a day-to-day basis? Well, studying angels, which we cannot see, we can understand about something about God whom we cannot see either, that he is powerful, mm-hmm. that he's able to create, and he has great um, uh, create creativity, you might say. Every angel is different, just like snowflakes. There's no human being alike. We all have our DNA, and our fingerprints are different. So with angels, each one is different. And there are a multitude of angels. We cannot begin to number them. And so uh, he has uh, tremendous power, and he has tremendous wisdom in putting them together. They are persons. Angels are persons. They can think and feel and choose. They can obey God. They can disobey God. So we know they have a will, and they're held morally responsible because the evil ones will end up in the lake of fire with Satan and all his angels. So they, uh, they uh, serve God, and uh, God has appointed them, and he's gracious to do that, to create beings who can serve him, who can worship him. That's a gracious act. And angels um, protect us and keep us so that uh, they are evidence of God's care for the human race. Are they done all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who should be heirs of salvation? Hebrews 1.14. So they do that, and they protect us and keep us. Whether we each have a guardian angel is, is a question. Yep. Whether it's one-on-one or his own defense, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, we have enough to take care of us. One time I was counseling a man who had been through uh, satanic ritual abuse and one of his parts, dissociative identities that usually come up to protect their people with trauma. Hmm. Um, one of his parts said, Dr. Dickinson, do you know you have big angels around your house? I said, well, thanks for letting me know. I don't see them. You're more especially sensitive because you've been hurt and God has ministered to you and given you that ability to sense that. I don't see them, but I know they're here and I really need them because of the work I'm in. I think all of us really need them, right? The, yeah, need we, the protection, yes. need the care, the grace given. Yes. And that's, that's basically in scripture. And uh, they, uh, they carry out God's will and God's protection for his people. 
Yeah. So just open-ended question. If there was one thing that we haven't gotten to so far that you would love people to understand about yeah. angels, I just kind of want to give you the floor. What, what kind of thing would you answer to a question like that? Well, angels are either elect that's chosen by God not to fall. You know, we're chosen out of a fall. Yep. But uh, these were chosen not to fall. The other ones are called evil. Now, the evil ones cannot be redeemed. They are not a race. The reason the Son of God became human was to enter into our race, to become one of us, to represent us in his sacrifice on the cross. Being God and man at the same time, he could reconcile God and man by the cross. Peace and uh, justice met at the cross. Yeah. And uh, angels cannot be redeemed because they're not a race. The Son of God could not enter into the uh, angelic race because they're not a race. So none of them can be redeemed. They have no substitute like we do. Hmm. Our substitute is perfectly God and perfectly man and able to offer an eternal sacrifice for us to grant us eternal redemption. And that way we have an eternal inheritance. The word eternal is found three times in Hebrews chapter 9 saying he found Eureka. <laughs> Eternal <laughs> redemption force. I've never heard it put that way, but I love that. Well, that's the Greek word. Okay. Eurisco. Oh, well, I'm learning so much just by sitting here talking with you. I love that. Um, I just also want to say one, thank you for your faithful ministry and service. Thank you for the years of dedicated work you've done here at our Wheaton campus in particular and Wheaton Evangelical Free before it was part of the Compass Church um, and for just the countless hundreds and thousands of people you've been able to impact and minister to and I now get to be included in that just by getting to sit down and chat with you a little bit. Well it's a pleasure to chat with you and uh, the Lord is good he gives us opportunities he gives us life he calls us to himself he calls us to ministry and he goes before us to open the doors and the opportunities for us to serve him. I've had the privilege of teaching here at uh, the Wheaton campus for quite a while. I've also taught at the campus of uh, Windsor Park, where I am now re retired. Yeah. And I taught about 14 or 15 courses there. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and I just, the bow on it for me is just... Sometimes we feel like, or I'll make it personal, sometimes I feel like I wrestle with humanity and angelic beings and knowing that there are differences between them, but ultimately God still has given us as humans his image. We are his image bearers. Yes. And mixed in with that, he has given us a savior to put us in right standing with him. We've got the option that Amen. others don't. That's as good a news as it gets. Yes, we have life. I just wrote a... Um little paper which I distribute for um, major holidays and occasions uh, to my uh, fellow residents out there at Windsor Park. I just finished one for um, Valentine's Day, thinking about the great love of God, hmm. that he loves us so wonderfully, indescribably. But we can't love him unless he first loves us and creates us anew makes us renewed in his image. Ephesians chapter 4 speaks about that. Renewed in his image, now we can think, feel, and choose with God because he's given us that new capacity. Yeah. 
Yeah, amen. We can understand love because of the first John 4 passage, right? Like right. we know what love is because God first loved yes. us. It's the best yes. news possible. Yes, he proved his love for us. He became a propitiation or a satisfaction for us on the cross. <laughs> and it says in First John also that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. The word destroy means to render inoperative, to, to take out of the place of power. That's good. That's, oh, that's great news. That's what we long for here. That's what we get to experience in heaven and then new heaven and new earth. Uh, all of that. I'm looking forward to that day, right? Looking all, forward all to that All this day. in heaven too, right? That's right. That's right. Um, Fred, just one last, you feel free to give a shameless plug. Where can people find some of your books that you've written specifically about angels? Well, um, Moody Press has uh, Angels, Elect, and Evil. Um, my other books, Demon Possession and the Christian. Um, winning the war through prayer, the dangers of the spirit world, um, the um, names of angels, all available through Amazon. Okay. Just plug in Dickinson and you'll find them all presented there. Oh, that's how I found all of it, but I'm glad you gave the plug instead of me. So, uh -huh. friends, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Um, and I'll continue to be uh, mindful of the different spirit realm that's out there. And I'm going to think of this conversation. I'm going to go back to it. There's a yeah, lot well, of good nuggets even just mixed in with You are the already. minority among the Western civilization and the humanistic uh, uh, surroundings we have. The spirit world is real. You know, I think some of the emotional things we've seen in the mass murders and in the stabbing of four lovely college students out in Moscow, Idaho. I believe that was demon-driven. Hmm. The demons love death. Satan loves death. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and trusting him, we have life. That's right. Amen. Well, uh, I never like to make these things about me, but I think some of it just comes from my background. I grew up in an Assembly of God church, and there was just yes. a focus on that a little bit more than maybe some others yes. have had over the course Open of time. Open to the spirit so, world. That's right. That's right. Fred, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody who's joining in today to have this conversation. It's been an honor to be able to sit down with Fred uh, and just learn a little bit more, just the extensive history and background. Uh, it's been eye-opening for me. It's been refreshing for me, and I hope and pray that it's been the same for you as well. We're going to be joined next week by our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin. We're going to wrap up our Angels series together, and we're going to be talking about what's next, which is a sermon series called The Chase. We'll get to more of that next time, and we'll do that here at Midweek at the Compass.